0: You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission, Mission Lab. Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. And Camille Brace.
1: Hello, this is Mission Lab. My name is Camille Brace and of course I'm here with my husband Sean. And this episode is our questions episode. Now, Sean and I were just having this discussion about we had promised you guys, those who had submitted questions, we were going to put your names in a bowl or a hat and we were going to draw from them. Now, because we received so many questions, we need to break these this episode up into at least two episodes and even then I'm not sure we'll get to all the questions. But I, because we had said so in the very beginning, wanted to draw names right now.
0: No, you didn't say we we're going to do it right at the beginning. Well, I said this episode. episode. Yeah, so we're going to... No, no, we're going to do it at the end of this episode.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about the yeah, end of next no, episode. No, 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 We'll do okay. it at
0: the end of this episode. Yeah. Okay,
1: yeah, so yeah, we'll yeah. draw names at the end of this episode. Yes. They're already in a bowl, all the They're names. in a bowl,
0: a nice bowl. So
1: even if we don't get to your question this episode...
0: your name is in there. Yeah, this is going to be exciting because then you'll know that we're actually going to answer your question the next episode if your name gets drawn. Exciting. Exciting Exciting
1: stuff, guys. Wow.
0: (laughs) Really? This is really great.
1: Okay. so So we love the questions that came in.
0: Fantastic questions. And so some of them are long, of course. Some of them are short. We will likely kind of summarize some of these so that Um, we don't uh, take up too much time. But we are going to start off our question time with a question from Tiffany.
1: Thanks for listening, Tiffany. Thank
0: you for listening, Tiffany. And this is Tiffany's question, a really good question. I think that comes up in many people's minds, and this is the question: What recommendations do you have for navigating difficult situations when doing life with others who have not yet accepted Jesus and have different values? And then she goes on to give an example about Halloween and uh, her uh, some of her friends that she's building relationships with her neighbors. Um, came up recently talking about Halloween and, uh, they mentioned to their son, Tiffany's son, that, uh, one of the the kids said he would be Sully from Monsters Inc. for Halloween. And the, you know, the son's response was, we don't do Halloween. And so she was like a deer in in the headlights. We actually, I put a reminder on my phone back in October that we would do a whole podcast episode on Halloween specifically, and should we do it for missional purposes? But we will answer this question broadly, maybe even uh, touch upon the Halloween question a little bit um, as well. But I hope that come October, beginning of October, we will address the full Halloween question. Maybe, maybe not. So yeah, good question. Good question. I I want to affirm the question because it means that you are really seeking to be on mission and to be incarnational. And a lot of, uh, people maybe don't even put themselves in those positions. And as I've said before, if you are never in uncomfortable position, uncomfortable situations, there's a very good chance that you are not fully living out the gospel. So I don't know. Camille, we haven't even talked about how we're going to answer these questions. Who's going to answer what, or if we're going to go back and forth. I'll probably just answer
1: all of them. Okay, you'll answer all of them. All <laughs> right, so go ahead. No. Um, yeah, so this is a great question, Tiffany. I have found that in our experience of, of being on mission and, and being with um, people who are not of the same faith as us, that we actually tend to make it more of a bigger deal than it actually is. Um mm-hmm being where we live right now and having many friends who are outside of our, of our faith and our belief system, um, they all know that, um, we choose specifically not to, um, do Halloween, but Mm -hmm. I know other Christians do. I'm not condemning. This is not an episode on whether we should or should not do Halloween. Come
0: back in October.
1: Um, so I'm just, I'm just saying, we just choose not to, and it's, it's never a big deal. It has never been a big deal to any of our friends who do Halloween. Um, and I think we tend to over dramatize sometimes. Oh man, what are these people going to think? Like we've had, um, I remember when we first started having birthday parties here and Sean and I were like so nervous about like, oh, well, you know, we want to have prayer for the food like before, you know, and some of our, our company was, you know, not Christian and, you know, and that was always such a scary thing. And, you know, six years down the road, seven years down the road that we've been having birthday parties at our house. It's not a big deal. And we have found that so many of our friends, um, are just very accepting and understanding and, um, and you know, I think it's neat that this is like our, our yeah. faith and our, our experience.
0: And here, I'm going to give another shout out to Sarah, who we mentioned last week, and we're actually going to read a question of hers in a bit. This is a, this is a, this is a neat uh shout out unlike maybe the last one was, you know, <laughs> uh it, it was a subject talking about food and you know, who among us likes to be shout give giving a shout out for food? But Sarah, uh, you know, who is who is a part of our our missional community, um she was she texted me one day and said, Hey, you know, uh uh Izzy wanted to have prayer before supper. And it was like the first time they had ever had prayer at their, uh, at, for dinner. And so, yeah, those little things, we, we get more embarrassed than we should. And, and, uh, it's more not, worried what other people yeah, think than what, yeah. But, but with that being said, I would answer it this way that there are going to be moments where you will find yourself, um, moving the line a little bit. And I would say that there are some issues that are, that are, there are many issues that are not moral issues, but they do not align exactly with our values and i would say that so long as we are you know if we have our values we don't want to continuously uh violate those values but if they're not truly moral issues i think it's okay to um on occasion put yourself in situations that do stretch you a little bit. I'll give you an example. And this one maybe is a little harder to swallow for some. And it was one of those moments where um, we were like, oh, not sure, you know, if we should or shouldn't. But one of our neighbors who, who uh, our, our, our son Camden has a really good friend. We mentioned him here in the past before, but um, his mother's uh, had um, invited us to a Christmas cookie decorating party mm-hmm. and it was going to be on Friday night
1: and they had specifically made it on Friday night knowing that we go to church on Saturday, Saturday morning
0: so they they had it the year before on Saturday morning and wanting us to be there they they specifically moved it to Friday night but well, it Friday was
1: Friday late afternoon
0: late afternoon but on into the Sabbath hours. And, you know, we're very uh, committed to our Sabbath rest rest, and, and keeping. And so we're like, oh, you know, should we, should we not? But, you know, the environment was not going to be necessarily like chaotically, um, you know, uh, challenging to our Sabbath experience. It was just going to be a handful of us at their home. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like there's was going to be all this you know, crazy music that we're not, you know, we don't listen to on Sabbath that was going, it wasn't going to be, you know, all this revelry and all that. So we prayerfully decided to go. And let me tell you, it was a divine appointment. It was, you know, that's a cliche, but it was amazing. I think amazing. we shared a little
1: bit we, yeah, about it as we, well. Ju- we just, we just, in just, another episode. Yeah, we
0: just, I just sat there literally for an hour and a half. I just talked to. Uh, uh, our Camden's friend's mom's for like an hour and a half, and then our other neighbor, um, friend, his dad for like the whole time, and none of them, none of them are Bible believing Christians, and it was just like by the time we left, I left. Camille actually had to stay home. It was like God was present, and like they had a whole different understanding of of what Seventh Day Adventists are. And so that was one of those situations where I was like, oh, this is not necessarily what we typically do on Sabbaths, but it was enough for us to be on mission and um, we felt like God was present. So I I hope that answers the question, Um, but yeah, just keep wrestling and um, hopefully we'd love to hear, you know, how you land on these things and, you know, what happens with Sully I don't know. I've never even seen Monsters, Inc., but yeah, what happens to Sully? Yeah,
1: Yeah. I I think I saw that movie in college (laughs) for extra credit, believe it or not. Anyways, so our next question is from Mike. Uh, Mike, thanks for listening. Um, So it says, what can we learn from other organizations who practice discipleship, whether they are religious, spiritual or not? Do you think that there is value in looking to see what others are already doing that is working and may also be consistent with scripture? If yes to any of these questions, then do you know of any organizations that are especially good at discipleship and what can we learn from them?
0: I just had to laugh, Camille. Why? Because I got a text message from a friend of ours this week. Yeah. Sean Milano. Uh Uh-huh. And he said, I love the podcast. I love the podcast. But um, just let Camille know that it's pronounced especially, not especially.
1: Oh, did I? <laughs> you know, Sean.
0: Sean Milano, that is.
1: Yes, Sean Milano. <laughs> I'll call you out just here. Just
0: this week, he texted me that. Sean is the greatest. I'll he- have a
1: conversation yeah. with you later. <laughs> yeah,
0: Sean is the greatest. Um, so let me let me answer this by saying... That yes, absolutely, we can learn. I'm I'm of the philosophy that we can learn from anybody and everybody. We want to obviously be prayerful about uh, you know our our interactions with our reading of our attending uh, you know different uh, meetings and conferences and seminars, but um, we do not have a monopoly on truth. Like. I don't personally. Camille, you don't personally. The Seventh-day Adventist Church does not. Christianity does not. Um, Somebody reminded me this week that if we didn't listen to other um, people of other perspectives, there would never have been a Seventh-day Adventist Church because every doctrine that we hold, with the exception of maybe one, but I won't get into all that, was actually introduced to us by other denominations. So for example, the Sabbath, it was a seventh day Baptist that introduced it to the early Advent believer. So we absolutely positively can learn as we prayerfully discern um the movements that are doing things well, and God every, any 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 truth, every truth is from God. and so, Um, whether it's, you know, a Christian, a non-Christian, a Seventh-day Adventist, a Catholic, a Baptist, uh, you know, whatever. Um, now should we, you know, should that be the bulk of our? Should I be just sitting here reading like Buddhist philosophers? No, that's not what we're saying at all. But, um, yeah, we can, we can definitely learn. And I would say, and I kind of know where this question is coming from, because this is a friend of ours. I would say, and I would affirm where our friend Mike might be going, Um, and actually my hope is to do a whole episode on this, and it's entitled, What Can the Church Learn from Alcoholics Anonymous? And uh, I'm hoping to have Jim, our friend Jim Mello, who's been on here before, I'm hoping to have him on the podcast and we can discuss that. I think an organization like Alcoholics Anonymous would have a lot for us to learn Uh, about how to do recovery, how to learn how to create safe, uh, communities and safe environments and trust, you know, build up trust. And so, yeah.
1: And I would add just even the small amount of reading that I've done for my woman's book club. Um, you know, we've done a lot of Brene Brown, um, some other great authors that Mm. are, um, some of them not even, you know, Christian based, Uh, Where we've just looked a lot about emotional intelligence and how to actually like just communicate with people. Um, I find that within the church, I mean, this is in all spectrums, not just in the church, but just in general as a society, uh, we have a hard time um, having hard conversations with people. Mm, Um, Yeah. You know, it's so much easier for all of us to go talk behind, you know, someone else's back instead of just, you know, facing that person head on. And I've just learned so much about. Um, emotional intelligence, asking those questions, um, facing those fears, um, having open communication. Um, so yeah, I would affirm that Mike, that, um, looking at a variety of sources, um, can be a really positive thing. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So great question, Mike. Thank you for submitting it. And now we will turn to our friend Ronald. Or Yeah, he's our friend. I know Ronald. You don't know Ronald. I
1: don't know you, Ronald. Sorry, um,
0: buddy. So here's his question. As a church member, elder, and board member of his church, which I'm presuming he's all three of those things, uh, what recommendations do you have for supporting the pastor and church in traditional public evangelism when you no longer fully buy into the methods and efficiency of that form of outreach. And he's especially wondering this in light of the fact that he would like to have his leaders at his church buy into the methods that he has, like missional communities. So I think he's implying that it needs to go both ways. Like if I want them to buy into what I'm all about, I probably need to show some sort of support for their uh interests and methods, even though I'm not sure that it's fully effective. So you, Camille, what would you say to Ronald?
1: Well, I I loved that question, Ron, because I think it's so relevant because as I s as you know, I have a very first hand account of what my husband, the pastor, um like um, the sport support he gets and the lack of support he gets. And it's true in any church the pastor cannot make everyone happy. Um, it's impossible. So he may have this vision where he wants to take the church, and of course, not everyone's gonna be on board. So what I would say to that is, yeah, just um, I would say maybe um still being supportive of the pastor. Uh and I think we kind of had this, another friend had contacted us and reached out to us and kind of had a similar situation where um, he was in disagreement with a pastor and, you know, wasn't sure which way to go. And my suggestion would be, um, you know, if the if the pastor and the other, you know, leaders of the church aren't really on board and don't seem to want to get on board with being more missional, uh, my suggestion would be to, um, you know, still be supportive of them. But start your own thing on the side. And, you know, it may be you and your wife and, you know, one other couple in your church that starts. I mean, I mean, that's basically how ours started. It wasn't a lot of people. Um, You don't need a lot of people to get started and be on mission for God. Um, So, you know, still being supportive, which means, you know, not going against, or I should say what the pastor has, or, you know, speaking bad about him or him or anything or her, if it's a woman pastor, but, um, yeah, just kind of branching out and maybe stepping back a little bit, maybe from your, if you have specific roles in the church, um, maybe relinquishing some of that leadership and then really focusing on, um, where you and your family want to go on mission.
0: I think that's a great question. I think, yeah, just to echo what Camille said, I know as a pastor. I will basically only really listen to people and and value their perspective if I am utterly convinced that they have my best interest in mind. Um, And that's just the way it works relationally, -relationally. interrelationally. We uh, Until we trust people, we are very, very hesitant to listen to them and want their feedback. And so, yeah, you know, I, if it wasn't apparent already, I have some definite uh, apprehension about the effectiveness of traditional evangelism. And so, yeah, if I were in that position, I'd be like, oh man. Uh, and, And I tend to be such an idealist that I have a hard time settling for anything other than what is the ideal. And so that's something I have to grow in but i would just say as somebody on the other side cuz you know i have people here who are resistant we have people who are resistant to the missional community idea but if they're coming to me with a spirit of antagonism and they have an idea that they think is better i'm not going to consider their idea if they if they're antagonistic but if they come across as a team player and they're willing to meet me where i am and they you know go along and I'm going to be a lot more open to what their ideas are and um, be willing to give them consideration. So in some ways, it's just kind of interrelationship skills one-on-one, not that you don't have them, but I think it applies here as a as a church as well with, with pastors. You know, just, it, again, you may have to, like, I'm going to exaggerate here, but you may have to, like, hold your nose like you're, you know... <laughs> Swallowing cough syrup. But, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to give you a, a humble attitude and, and, and a cooperative attitude. And um, I think even though it may take longer to get where you would love to see the church go, um, the pastor and the leaders, no doubt, will only listen to your vision when they sense that you have their best interests in mind and that uh, you know you you uh, are a team player so
1: and i think if we wait to try to get everybody on board we'd never start anything because that's mm-hmm. not that's not going to happen um and i know you know some of the fears in our church is like oh we don't want to push people away or you know we we don't want to offend people but you know like christ was here on earth and he offended people all the time and it wasn't because He was being rude or mean or anything, but like God had this mission for him and he was about God's work and, you know, the Pharisees and other rulers wanted to, um, you know, go against that. So Ronald, I would say, yeah, don't feel like you have to wait around for everyone to get on board. Hmm. Um, go ahead and start something and.
0: Carpe diem.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so our last question that we're going to answer in this episode is from my good friend Sarah. Sarah, thanks for being an avid listener.
0: That's right. Woo
1: hoo! Um, so we're going to get. She had a couple of questions. We're going to get to one of hers this time,
0: and then we'll get to the other one next time. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah.
1: So if you could change, this was her question. If you could change one thing in your congregation right now, what would it be?
0: That is a huge question. And I've thought about it as after she sent it in, I've gone back and forth a little bit. I'm going to take the the kind of cliche route. And I would say that I just wish that my congregation, and by the way, Sarah, I want to make sure that we both answered these questions.
1: Interesting. Thanks, yeah. Sarah.
0: <laughs> uh, I would say that I just desperately wish that, my congregation, all of us would understand the fullness of the gospel. Now, what that means is that everyone would understand the fullness of the good news of who God is and his love and his heart of mission and his coming down to our level and meeting us where we are, because really, I've been reading a book, Uh, recently called The Shaping of Things to Come by Michael Frost and Alan Hirsch. And they point out that when we have issues with our church, when we have issues with how we do church, that's not really the issue. The real issue is people's lack of understanding of who Jesus is. So like, it's a symptom when People are resistant, for example, to change. It's a symptom of their lack of, of grounding in the good, beautiful, powerful news of God's love because they think that their security is in a certain way of doing church when in fact their security comes from who they are in Jesus and who God thinks they are and they can then let go of control of the way we do church. And and they also say that what we understand about God informs how we do mission and then how we do mission should inform the way we do church. But most of our time we come in and we have this certain way of doing church. We think this is the way we are going to do church and we aren't thinking about our mission and we're not thinking about our mission because we're not clear on who Jesus is and who God is and who we are in light of that. And so, yeah, I would just say that I wish that everybody had a full picture of the good news of God's love, which would then lead to more relational expressions of mission, which would lead to more community, which would lead to us creating safe spaces, which would lead to everybody wanting to go out and disciple people and reach those around them with the same love. So it's kind of like a uh, catch-all. Like if we just all got straight on the gospel, then all those other things would kind of take care of themselves. So that, that'd be my answer. Is that a good answer, Camille?
1: I mean, sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so what about you? So
1: my, my answer would be this, that um, if I could change one thing about my congregation— um, I would say my congregation, I would say every single Adventist church, I would say every single church.
0: Most Christian churches.
1: All Christian churches. Yeah. What I wish could change is people, for people to stop thinking about church as showing up on a Saturday or Sunday morning and consuming a program, mm. but to think more of church as in what does our church look like on Monday? Mm. What does our church look like on Tuesday? What does our church look like on Thursday? Um, And just stop thinking of doing church or going to church this one time a week um, and look at it more like, where can I bring God's message? Where can I bring God's love to my community every single day of the week and not just for two hours on a Saturday or Sunday morning. So that would be my answer. So
0: church is not an event. Church is a group of people living life on mission. Church is not an event. It's a life. Yeah, Looking for opportunities
1: to bless others. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And we'll get into this maybe in the future, but our church, we had a big, huge, huge meeting, brunch and meeting this last week. And we talked about restarting our church and over the course of conversation and questions, you know, it was mentioned that, well, we got to make sure we still honor the past. And when we come together on Sabbath morning, you know, we got to make sure we don't forget about where we've come from. And and I said, you know, great comments, but I think most people, when they think of restarting church, what they're really thinking about is what church looks like on Sabbath morning in our case. And I said, We need to ask the question, what does church look like on Monday morning? So yeah, great answer, Camille. I really appreciate it. And that leads me to a quote that I wanted to read. I actually didn't want to read. I didn't think about reading it, but your answer brought it up in my mind. I just read this today in the book that I've been reading, The Shaping of Things to Come. And that is, uh, the authors say, it's more often than not been the case that Sunday services, or I would say Saturday services, are planted rather than missional Jesus communities. A missional church, on the other hand, has abandoned the old Christendom assumptions and understands its role as an underground movement, subversive, subversive celebratory, passionate, and communal. Mission is not merely an activity of the church, it is the very heartbeat and work of God, so they're just urging us. The authors are urging us. I just dropped the book. The authors are urging us not to just be thinking about church as an event, but church as a Jesus community. And so that's a great answer, Camille. So now that: Oh, we're, the drawing. I always forgot about the drawing. So now I did that actually. we're at
1: the end of our episode, our initial, now, t- so if your question did not get read. Um, we are going to have more questions, and we're going to try to get to most of s- s- some other ones that we received um, in our next episode. It will be like a sequel.
0: Oh, a sequel. Did we have a Special, prequel? Special, I know.
1: Um, so anyways, but we are going to draw names.
0: Names, If you can plural. hear these. Oh. Who's we got a bunch of names
1: it? in a bowl. Are you
0: going to leave this up to me to draw it? Sure, go ahead. All right, I'm closing my eyes. I'm closing my eyes. I'm closing okay. my eyes. And what do you know? It's Sarah. She is the winner of our book drawing, and so Sarah, congratulations. We and I this was not staged. This was I legitimately picked this out.
1: Yep, that's correct. So,
0: Sarah, we have, and I'm assuming you don't have the book Saturate by Jeff Vanderstelt, but that's the book that we uh, declared we would send. And what's the neat thing is, Sarah lives here. As I said, she's part of our missional community. And uh, we're just going to be able to hand her the book because we see her frequently. So good job, Sarah. Look at that. And so...
1: So stay tuned for... We were just
0: at Sarah's house, so we wouldn't even need to ask for her address. Literally right before this. This is this is amazing. It's all coming together.
1: All right. So um, excellent. So stay tuned for the next episode where we will answer some more questions. And um, thanks for those who have already submitted some. Uh, love the questions. And thanks for listening. This is Mission Lab.
0: Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ergang. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast. Podcast.